HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hey, what's up? This is John Norris, and you're listening to the Heritage Radio Network. In some of my songs, I have casually mentioned the fact that I like to drink beer. This little song is more to the point. Roll out the barrel and lend me your ears. I like beer. It makes me a jolly good fellow, I like beer. It helps me unwind, and sometimes it makes me feel mellow. Makes him feel mellow. Welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. All right, here we are, Roberta's in Brooklyn, Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43. And Dave Broderick from Blind Tiger, all the way from Vermont. Hey, Jimmy. How are you, buddy? I'm doing great. It's always good to have you in the studio. Always good to be here. You know, we're going to give a shout-out to our sponsors at greatbrewers.com. They're our online connection to the world of craft beer. You can learn more about beer styles and take the great beer test to challenge your beer IQ and find out about the Beer Cloud, a mobile app to help you locate your favorite beers, all on greatbrewers.com. And thank you to our supporters, Good Beer Seal, goodbeerseal.com, 34 New York City Good Beer Bars. All right, here we are on Beer Sessions Radio, Heritage Radio Network. David, what's going on? Um, what's going on? Well, uh, everything's in bloom up in Vermont about three weeks too soon. Uh, everybody's farming already, and uh, snow's been long gone. It's, it's crazy. Everybody's running around. I saw a list of some people's favorite beer. I think it was Mike Lavula, who's a, our union rep, and it's his birthday today. And he's going to do a tasting at Jimmy's number 43 tonight. Yeah. And one of his favorite beers is Alchemist Heady Topper. Right. You know, I've never tried that beer. Oh, you should have told me. I would have brought it's you one. It's one of those cult beers. Yeah. yeah they're doing it in 16-ounce uh, cans, and uh, that's the only way. I, there's a couple of draft accounts, I think. Um, I think two. But the rest is just 16-ounce cans. And uh, they've got a 15-barrel brew house and a bunch of 30-barrel fermenters, and they just make one beer. Sounds really good. I'm looking forward to trying it. Yeah. Talking about cult beers and cult brewers, we've got a great guy here. They know him as Chief. It's Jeff O'Neill from Peekskill Brewery. How are you, Jeff? I'm doing great, Jimmy. You're up in Peekskill. You, you know, if you're listening from in, in UK or Michigan or somewhere else, there's a tiny brewery on the Hudson, Hudson River, north of New York. It's called Peekskill Brewery. And this guy, Jeff O'Neill, uh, you might have heard of Ithaca Flower Power and uh, Ithaca Brewery. He was there for a number of years and helped build that up. And he's come down to a, a tiny little brew pub, and he's, he's really shaking things up in the New York area. Everybody's talking about him. We've got Jen and Ben from uh, Queens Kickshaw, a great little bar in Queens. Have you guys heard of uh, what Jeff's doing at Peekskill? Uh, yeah, we just recently heard about uh, uh, Peekskill Brewing actually through uh, Mike Love. Uh, Coffee Labs Roasters. He just recently made a beer with uh, Witches Brew, um, which is uh, Mike Love's uh, uh, house blend of coffee. Wow. Well, Jeff, uh, I'm, I'm not going to ask you too many questions, but I want you to tell us what you're doing. Well, we are about to uh, start cutting floor drains and pulling utilities into our new space. Um, we're going to go from being uh, Westchester County's smallest brew pub to Westchester County's largest brew pub. That's a surprise. <laughs> I thought the whole thing we'll was going to stay this little brew pub only forever. Brew pub, but um, I guess we're both already. Uh, so yeah, we took possession of this great building, Riverside Building, right by the train station um, in December, 
and we just had our city planning board meeting in the last couple of weeks. City is in love with the project, and everything looks like systems are go, and we should be brewing there by the end of June or beginning of July. So, Jeff, I mean, I've been to the space, and, and why don't you walk us? It's, it's going to be a pretty amazing setup in terms of um, all the different layers uh, and levels of the space. You want to yeah, sort of walk us through how, it, uh, how it's all going to be? Uh, well, sort of um, the best thing to understand is that the building is a four-story stone building that faces the river, and each uh, floor is about 32 or 3,400 square feet. Um, so each floor is going to have sort of its own purpose, ultimately. Um, but first and foremost, we're going to be a brewery. So as you enter uh, the building, you'll have a great view of the entire operation. Um, the actual brew house will be right in your front of your site. Um, and then as you go up into the brewery or into the building, into the restaurant, which will start at the second floor, um, you'll see the milling operation. And then when you go to the third floor, the lounge uh, area, you'll see our cool ship. Um, and then up on the uh, roof, we're hoping to have some you know, hops growing and lots of different you know, layers is a great way to describe it. Well, the way we're thinking is that we can appeal to sort of every layer of beer uh, appreciator. Right. And you're going to be hoping to bring people out from the city. Yeah. Because you're right next to the train. We're right at the train. Yeah. So we And it's are, about an hour and 15 it's minutes? A, well, it depends on what train you're on. It took us about an hour and five to ride down today. Um, but uh, a quicker train is 47 or 48 minutes, something like that. Um, but we're hoping people will make a day of it and, you know, pick up a couple of bottles in Grand Central, drink them on the ride up, have lunch with us, or uh, lunch at Birdsall and dinner with us. Nice. So we're, we're looking yeah. for some beer tourism. So, in, is this is this a surprise? I, I thought you were just you guys were just going to stick with the brew pub and and keep making this little beers. Well, we're going to be like probably thirty thirty percent sold in house, and then the rest will be draft out to the to the greater New York market. So it's sort of a hybrid um, hybrid model, and we'll be a pretty good sized brew pub when it's all said and done. What what are some of the goals that you have in mind? Um, with this new with this new brewery, well, really, we want to focus on providing fresh local beer um, every day of the week. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna f- tailor our sort of draft lineup to be very uh, food friendly, and we're looking. You know, there's been such a boom in restaurants treating beer in the in the the appropriate way. Um, we're gonna focus a lot on that because we'll still be fairly limited in volume. We'll be able to do about three thousand barrels. Um, and maybe a thousand will be sold on site and two thousand off. That's only four thousand kegs, and when you think about it, that's eighty kegs a week. Not that many, uh, not that many accounts that we can really support. So, so we're really going to focus on the relationships and the uh, freshness and draft quality. So when you um, when you go to a place like Peakskill, like what intrigued you about? Um, to, to, you know, first of all, you're moving closer to the city. Um, what are you going to di- do differently? At uh, at peak skill, as opposed to what you did, say at Ithaca or you know further back. Well, like, we'll be far less locked into particular brands because we'll have that brew pub sort of ethos and flexibility where we can do stuff appropriate for the season. We can do whatever strikes our fancy at the time. We can you know we're going to try to have fourteen or fifteen house beers on at a time. So some of those will become available locally. Um, we're just going to try to roll with it and see what 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 hits. I mean, we're going to lead with uh, three draft offerings: an IPA, our Hop Common, our uh, which is our uh, steam style beer, and a draft sour. Um, and we'll see we'll see what people like and take it from there. And you're going to send some to the city as well, or uh, city's going to be our prime prime prime, okay. prime marketplace. Yeah, great. And Jeff, do, uh, over time, are all these beers going to be your style? I mean, are you going to recreate recipes? Or are you going to keep making some of the... Yeah, no existing? recipe is set in stone in my world. Oh, yeah? Yeah, no. There's no perfect beer. It can always be a little bit So how, how do you brew? I mean, what, how, how does that work for you? I brew largely by feel and by sort of intuition. I'm not the greatest scientific brewer in the world. Um, I sort of engineer backwards from how I want stuff to taste. And so it's, it's more, a lot more like cooking than it is like science for me. Um, so, you know, we just sort of work with the ingredients that we have and try to make the best beer that we can. So sometimes like midway through as you're tasting, do you, do you make adjustments? Usually not in the middle of a brew day, but that's kind of the one of the benefits of being small. And a batch for us right now is only 12 or 14 kegs. So it only lasts a couple of weeks before you're brewing it again and trying to take another shot at it. 
Wow, so that's that's going to be awesome. So I want you to deliver to me every every couple we'll weeks. We I got a different we'll style, a different version. Yeah, well, Mike. like I said, we're trying to streamline it, so we're offering three drafts to the market, and then we'll have some. You know, we'll do a lot of events, of course, around the city where we'll do more. We're going to try to sort of focus on um, when we do events to bring the peak skill experience to you, in turn motivating people to come see us. If I were a new brewer and I wanted to learn from Jeff O'Neill. Uh, where would you send me before you let me work for you? In oh the whole boy. world, where, where would I go and what would I learn? Oh, boy. It's a tough question. That's a tough question. I, well, I mean, the truth is I'd rather have a guy that had been in a, you know, a mid-sized regional brewery and knows the whole scope of, I'm sorry, a guy or a gal, um, who knows the whole scope, the big picture, sanitation, materials in to materials out, um, usually not... It's usually not a home brewer that we're looking for. It's somebody that has their had their feet in the boots for a while and understands, you know, the sort of seven AM to five PM hot and wet hours that we keep. And do you think it's important that, that a new brewer goes first to a brewing school? Not necessarily. I mean there's a lot of great brewers that just wedge their foot in the door at the right time at the right place and learn from somebody who really knows what they're doing. I'll tell you, I'd love to hire somebody from Oma Gang if you're oh, listening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you want to, okay, that's your target. All right, you're gonna that's take a, the guys and know how to do That's an inside thing. joke with Phil. <laughs> the nowhere to go. There's there's nowhere. Or how about an enthusiast? If I said Jeff, you know, I, w- I want to catch up to your palate. How about this is a better question. Where would I go? Like pick three places in the world that I should go and drink beer for like two years before I could oh, be the same as you. Jeez. Uh, Portland, San Francisco, and San Diego. Wow. What, and Portland, I mean, I Portland Maine, Maine or Portland? No, sorry, Oregon. Oregon? Yeah, although I really love what Allagash does, too. Um, yeah, I started brewing in California, and I still am uh, partial to those sort of overly hoppy beers. So the West Coast. So do you think the West Coast is ahead of the East Coast? Ahead? I don't know if I'd say that, but different. It's a different approach. Different market. What do you think, Dave? I mean, it's definitely different. Um, yeah, and I, 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 in the past, I would have said maybe the the West Coast was a little bit ahead, and now it's just uh, it's just different, you know. Um, you know, there's a lot of good breweries here on the East Coast now, and uh, you know, about to be another. Well, actually, right now, and, and actually, what are we drinking right now? This is our uh, Irish breakfast stout that we released last month for St. Patrick's Day, and. Uh, as Ben said earlier, this is brewed with very freshly roasted uh, beans from Coffee Labs uh, in Terrytown, which is a well-known Westchester uh, coffee roaster. Um, and I did something a little different to extract the coffee flavor in this, and I actually did a cold steep. Instead of using water, I used the fermented beer. So we filled a keg with 10 pounds of uh, coffee beans and then filled that keg with beer, kept it in the cooler for a week, and then blended it back into the tank. So you get a lot of the aroma and a lot of the coffee character without any of the harshness. Is, is there caffeine in this beer? Sure. Thank feels God. good. <laughs> Thank this is God. what I want. I always want to have coffee around this yeah, time of day. So it's hard to... But qu- I don't want to drink coffee. I, I, I'll say sure, but it's hard to quantify exactly how much. Um, it's in really non-traditional way. You know, nobody makes coffee this way in a uh, lab. You might get in trouble for this. Well, I've been in trouble for this. Um, we made a beer at Ithaca a few years back that... Uh, was red flagged by the FDA when they started to assert some authority on the food production side of beer. Um, there was a little uh, concern, let's say, about a couple of malt-flavored beverages that had synthetic caffeine added to them. And I think our beer had just been approved by the state of New York, and the state of New York was part of the lawsuit. This is kind of a long story. Um, the state of New York was part of a multi-state lawsuit filed to shut down alcohol and caffeine combination in in brewing. Um, And I had to write a detailed report to the FDA on our methods, our methodology, our assumptions on how much caffeine was in it. And even in a highly coffeed beer, you're talking about 25 milligrams maybe in a serving, which is a quarter of a cup of coffee, something like that. Well, it tastes good. Yeah, it tastes great. Yeah, Yeah, it's more more about the coffee flavor than... The impact with a, with a beer. And, and Ben, you guys do coffee and beer, don't you? Yeah, Qu- we do. Actually, Queens Kickshaw and Queens. And coffee and beer go so well together, actually. It just reminded me of something that, that sort of happened by accident when we first started um, 
putting uh, cold brewed coffee on tap from mm-hmm. actually uh, uh, Coffee Labs Roasters uh, cold brewed coffee. And um, we weren't really sure if it was going to work. We had to do all this kind of experimentation to get the, the coffee to come out of the tap line. But we put it through a tap line that had recently been used for a barley wine. And for about three weeks, the, the, the barley wine was detectable in oh, the cold brew, so much so that a few customers really noticed it and they would not drink it. We had to have uh, you know a separate, a separate uh, so jug you, you, of coffee just for that. you run cold brew coffee through your tap line? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like an iced coffee? What, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, we keg it. We basically, uh, and you know... We do you push it with CO2 or... No, 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 no. Actually, CO2 would make it taste like garbage. Yeah, literally. so like nitro... Like, what do you use? Uh, yeah, nitrogen. Nitrogen. 100%. Wow. 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 You know anybody, I, else, anybody else do that? Uh, yeah, actually, there's a few other people that are doing it now. Wow. And they're doing it with wine, too. So yep. uh, that's become, there's a lot of good kegged wine now. And with wine, what, what gas do they use for wine? Nitrogen. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Very yeah. interesting. We actually used uh, argon at first because we had to kind of, you know, we, we used the, the G mix at first, which has right. some nitrogen in it. So we wanted to make sure, we wanted to rule out the, the CO2 element. So we yeah. did by using argon, and then we figured out, okay, nitrogen's going to work, which is a little bit cheaper and safer. Well, you guys are cool. I mean, when I first That's met really you guys a couple of years ago, and you're at Jimmy's number 43, and I'd spent about a half an hour talking to you to try to talk you out of opening a bar. <laughs> and don't, ever, really? don't ever listen to Jimmy. <laughs> he told us not to? No, you he just told us to get a good beer seal if you were going to open a bar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But we did have that talk, and you guys stuck with it. And I read your blog, and um, you guys were—you built everything for yourselves. And tell us about how you opened that place. Cause it's pretty neat. Oh wow! How? Uh, where? Where would we begin? <laughs> I mean, you know, we built it ourselves with our own hands. Me and my wife Jen. You can look at our uh, Facebook page. You'll see Jen, you know, operating uh, all kinds of machinery. Uh, you know, uh, just you know, power tools and everything. We were we were there 100 percent of the time, building. It was amazing. Amazing. And what do you serve? You guys serve beer, coffee, yeah. grilled coffee cheese, in the morning, grilled cheese sandwiches, uh, beer bar at night. We kind of try to morph, you know, throughout the day uh, to, through those different styles of service as well to keep it uh, something that's actually you workable. Know, there's a lot of people. I mean, I, I know um, you know talk about maximizing your rent to be able to to fill the place in the morning with coffee and then turn it into a beer bar at night. Like, what are the obstacles to doing that? Because I think a lot of people would like to do that. Yeah, and and I think the hugest obstacle is uh, the the service, really, because people come into a coffee shop expecting one thing very different than when they walk into a restaurant or a bar. So it was. uh, I mean, I can't say for sure that we've actually uh, perfected the the service or the process, but it's something that we're constantly aware of the fact that when people walk in the door, they don't really know what to expect because we're trying. We're wearing a lot of different hats at the same time. So. Uh, we feel that the most important thing is just to make sure that, pe- that, that customers feel acknowledged immediately uh, and that we are there to help them through the process and figuring out how to serve them best. And also, I mean, it's two very separate businesses. I mean, it, it's, you know, coffee has its whole setup mm-hmm. and, you know, behind the bar, with the yeah. things that you need for that glassware. I mean, mm-hmm. it's all different. And then yeah. you sort of move over into selling beer at night, and mm-hmm. that's a whole other setup. Like, how do you do... Well, the design of the bar is set up basically in three stations. So there's a coffee station in the front, uh, closest to the door, in the center of the bar is where, where you know, behind the bar there's the, uh, the you know, the, uh, the the bottle coolers and the kegs right in front of that. And then off to the side is, is uh, the kitchen, actually. It's an open kitchen as well. So we wanted to advertise all three elements right there behind the bar. Uh, and and actually have the cooks be part of the service as well, so that service was so important at, within each different category. Wow, cool. Well, hey, let's take a short break. Uh, we're going to be back with a, we're talking about Craft Brewers Conference on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Hey! Oh, 
Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. We're out here at Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn, and uh, we're talking with Jeff O'Neill from Peekskill Brewery, Dave Broderick from Blind Tiger, and Ben and Jen from Queens Kickshaw in Queens, New York. David, back yes, to Jim. Vermont, man. Tell me something good about Vermont. You live the life up there. you got a farm. You hang out with breweries. Your buddy, uh, Chad Rich, what's the new place that he opened? Prohibition Pig. It's, uh, what town is that in? That's in Waterbury, Vermont. Um, it's in the old Alchemist brew pub space, which got flooded out during Irene and um, and got rebuilt with insurance money. And and uh, uh, Jen and, and uh, John Kimmick decided not to continue with the brew pub because they already had the cannery up and running, and uh, they couldn't get insurance to to have a brew pub in the basement anymore. So they still own the building. Chad rents it from them, and he's got a great North Carolina barbecue. Uh, 24 taps. Yeah, it's pretty awesome, and it's been packed. That's terrific. An hour wait for Je- And Jeff O'Neill from Peaksley, he's bought us a couple growlers of some of the beers I, he's making. I think this is his West Coast double IPA. This is it, West Coast style? Here we go. All right. And we've got a guest on the air. Uh, uh, we're going to talk with someone from uh, the Brewers Association about the Craft Brewers Conference. Uh, Bradley Latham. Bradley, are you on the phone, buddy? I'm here, Jimmy. Hi, how are you? All right, how are you? So you're the, uh, you're the events coordinator for the... Uh, the Brewers Association, correct? That is correct. All right. Um, can you give us a quick overview of the upcoming Craft Brewers Conference in San Diego? Yeah, so we've got the Craft Brewers Com- Conference coming up at the beginning of May at the Town & Country Resort in, in San Diego. It's actually the third time we've returned to this property itself, but it's turning out this, this is our largest conference yet. Uh, we're expecting around 4,500 attendees. Uh, 2,900 of them full conference. We're up to 250 exhibitors this this year, and that's a 25% increase over last year, which also we've we've got like 150 exhibitors on the waiting list, so we weren't even able to get everyone in this year. So it's wow. definitely big is the word this year. Well, I know, I know our good friend Steve Hindy from Brooklyn Brewery is one of the keynote speakers. Uh, what are some of the other programming highlights for the conference? One thing we've added this year that's just new is these mentoring roundtables, which is a free-form exchange of ideas where breweries that we've got sent to, I think we've got eight different ones at one time, can get together with like-minded brewers of the same category. Like there's some for brew pubs under 700 barrels per year, some for nano breweries, some for people who are trying to sell more Cascale. Um, so that is, they're kind of smaller. It's not in, meant to be these 500 people sessions. It's these smaller, more intimate settings where people can get together, ask questions, and have a free-form exchange of ideas. That's, that's something exciting we're looking at this year. Bradley, there's a question also, I've been dying okay. to, Bradley, I want to ask you a question. I've been dying to ask you this all day. Okay, at work, you work for the Brewers Association, and Charlie Papazian is your president, right? Correct. He's awesome. Do you get to drink beer at work? Um, we do have a kegerator and a little bar set up in our office, but not till the end of the day. All right. <laughs> well, we're drinking an awesome beer from uh, Jeff O'Neill from Peekskill. Uh, that we're just doing that right now. So <laughs> we get to drink while we work. Yeah, actually. Man. So oh, we'd, we'd love to have your beer on draft sometime. Who's <laughs> paying you right now, Jeff? Have you been to any craft beer conferences before? Absolutely. Yeah. Are you going this year? Yep. So what's it like for you as as a, a brewer? Uh, I mean, there's oh, 4,000 people. I mean, like, what do you guys really do there? You'd be surprised at the amount of business you can get done on the trade show floor. Um, in fact, right now, because we're in the middle of building out, um, there's a number of vendors that I, I need to block out time with to, to sort of finish up specifications on stuff that we're buying. Um, and it's really, you know, it's like, you know, a kid in some kind of a shop, really. Because expos, machinery. Yeah. Like what... what Bradley, what are some of the top uh, like people at the expo that you have? You know, what what kind of products are they are they selling? There is anything you can think of when it comes to the brewing process, from your basic raw ingredients to we have people with entire canning lines set up, like in use, so you can see keg fillers. We have people who are supplying the kegs. There's even brewery insurance, so it's it's across the gamut completely of anything that you could do. 
to start or run your brewery. Wow, that's amazing. And I saw that um, you're doing a uh, craft beer bar symposium for the first time. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. I know you guys had talked to our director, Paul Gatza, about that last year because we, we, we had had talks on it previously. So this year we've come together and kind of focused a conference within a conference on craft beer bar owners. So this is kind of the work of um, the Public and Dan Lanigan and Stone Brewing Company. So this is his first year, but it's kind of the same thing we started a few years ago with the craft beer wholesalers. It's people who are... This is for bar owners who are selling lots of craft beer and to get together and share ideas and see what they can do to better their business. Awesome. So Dan Lanigan, that's pretty cool. So he owns, uh, you know, like Lord Hobo in Boston, Alewives. Um, How how did you end up working with him? Because he's not a brewer. So did you guys reach out to uh, him or did he reach out to you guys? I mean, it was actually, he worked with Stone Brewing, Greg Cook at Stone Brewing. It was kind of their brainchild. He worked with them. And Dan Lanigan's actually doing a presentation as well at the conference. Oh, cool. Good for him. Terrific. Dave, you've been to some craft brewers conferences, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, I think I've been to the last four. So you, as, as a bar owner, why, why did you go? Um, <laughs> same thing, sort of one-stop shopping. I mean, I can, you know, we do a lot of events, and uh, it's great to be able to see everybody face-to-face. Uh, they're all there, and uh, you just basically—it's like running the gauntlet when you, you know, wherever the hotel is, and you come downstairs in the lobby, and there's like a thousand people milling around. Um, you can basically find everybody, and and it's just—it's uh, like more personable, you know. So I can, you know, get my whole event schedule done in those in those four days, basically. That's yeah, I'd awesome. like to say that the the networking is such a huge aspect of the conference. Yeah, it's 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 giant. I think for everybody. Bradley, uh, have you noticed any trends in craft beer this year or anything, any special uh, figures that you want to share with us? So we were up, our craft brewers were up 13% by volume in 2011, and it's looking like the same growth rate so far for 2012. Another big thing we're seeing is rapid growth in brewery openings. There's, There's been over 400 breweries open in the past two years alone. And two-thirds of these openings are microbreweries, and many of these are nanos, which is a big trend as well, because pretty much anybody can start a brewery with limited space in that aspect. And I think last year there were, I think you guys said there were like 600 um, breweries in the works at the uh, event last year. What's what's the number this year? Um. I'm not exactly sure on firm numbers on that one. My apologies. It's all right. That's okay. I know there are a couple of hundred nanos we have going on right now, but just for in planning, I I know we I haven't seen firm numbers on that one. That's great. Well, we're we're really happy that you got to call in with us, uh, Bradley. Um, Anything else you want to say about the conference uh, before we uh, sign off? Yeah, I'd like to say just that I... On the even number of years, we have the World Beer Cup is in conjunction with that one. So that's really I enjoy that one immensely, and it all culminates with the World Beer Cup Awards ceremony at the end of the conference on Saturday, May May sixth, or sorry May fifth. And this is that quite possibly could be our largest competition yet. We've got um, almost four thousand entries from all around the world. And 45% of those entries are international this year. Wow. And we have 218 judges from around the world, and 66% of those are actually international. So the World Beer Cup year, we really have a, a larger international presence at, at the conference. And it's, it's really great to see because not only are brewers getting to share information and ideas with each other from around the country, now they're getting to see others from around the world. Wow, that's really awesome. Hey, man, thanks so much, and uh, this is good for our listeners. So if, if you're aspiring to be a brewer or, or a bar owner or be in the industry, uh, definitely for next year you should consider uh, going to the craft brewers. Where is it going to be next year, Bradley? Do you know? Actually, we're out east in D.C. We're going to have to get you down. Woo-hoo! Jimmy, we're going to have to <laughs> yeah, get you All right, there. I might go we're next year. All right. Center, so we'll have uh, probably possibly twice as many exhibitors. So um, it should be a really good time, and that's going to be actually at the end of March in 2013. 
That's going to be amazing. Thanks so much, Bradley. Thank we're, you, guys. Appreciate it. We're going to keep talking on the show. Okay, have a good one. Bye. Cheers. Bye. All right. So cool. It's a little bit of snippet of, of the beer world out there. I didn't know how uh, 4,000 people for a beer a craft brewers conference. Yeah, it's at least doubled in the last few years, I think. Yeah, no, it is. I mean, and you see, um, you know, speakers in that, that opening reception is like, you know, two congressmen. I mean, it just gets... You know, the craft beer industry is just getting bigger and bigger and, and more powerful, which is great. Well, wow. for me, it's really cool validation that the international brewing community is so awesome. Coming to our conference. Yeah. 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 Wow. That's true. Sort of through the looking glass. And, and what are you going to do besides networking? I mean, are you going to make any presentations there, Jeff? Or are you going to nope. bring samples of your beer? No, no. It's nothing like that. It's more uh, catching up with old friends and finishing up the shopping. And it's, you know, flies by. It's just two or three days before it's over. Um, it's really it, the site where they're having this one is sort of a self-contained resort, so you don't get out too much. You get out for a couple of events to the local pubs, and they do some uh, brewery tours or they organize buses and stuff. But it's more like how, how about that tiki, the tiki oh, pavilion? Yeah. Oh boy, yeah, that was something. Why don't else. you describe that to people? Um, so last time around, four years ago, when they had it at the Town and Country Resort, I think is what the place is called. Um, I believe Jeff Bagby did it mostly by himself. Uh, they had 100 California beers on draft at the bar, uh, and it was ordered by number. Wow. And of course, it's a you know free bar, you know for, for, for attendees. Yeah, and yeah, and it's set up by one of the poolside, and it's you know everybody who's anybody is there all night long. That's why nobody left. I might have to crash. <laughs> wow. Well, and you, in, in terms of what you're shopping for for your brewery, what are like some key items that you're still looking for? Well, we're still um, finalizing some of the fit out for the bar. Um, we're shopping for a growler filler uh, draft line setup, which is can get you probably know this can get remarkably complicated. Um, we're going to be dispensing beer from the first floor up to at least the second. Um, so we need to really devise a, a pretty um, good system where we're not wasting beer, serving beer ideally. And, uh, you know, just some other odds and ends, keg washing equipment and, you know, chemicals and stuff like that. It's just, like I say, it's it's just about maintaining I mean, the relationship. Dollar-wise, I mean, just if you don't mind me asking, what, what are you guys going to spend to open the brewery? Oh, boy. R- ballpark figure? A lot. <laughs> More than a million dollars. Uh... Yeah, definitely. That's a lot of money. <laughs> but that it's also building out a restaurant. I mean, yeah. we're, we're we're putting in a fifteen barrel brew house, which is it's not a million dollars on its own. It's probably four hundred thousand dollars of stainless steel, and then a lot of construction costs. And I think the environment up there is good um, in Peekskill. Seems to be You're loving it, huh? Yeah. All right. I mean, it, it seems to. I mean, we do a better week than the one before every week, so. I, I almost feel like in every every community, every area is really ripe for having a really good brew pub and brewery, and uh, hopefully it's well. There's out. already there's already a great brewery in Westchester um, that's not a brew pub, and uh, you know we which one Captain Lawrence? Yeah, we just yeah. hope to continue in Scott's uh, footsteps. All right, and well, as I mentioned earlier, like that the Westchester beer tourism is really high on on our priority list. Like we'd love to see people you know rent a van and go to Captain Lawrence and then come to our place. Uh, you know those sorts of things. We're really going to try to to co-op a lot of that. I, I think we could be a part of that. Yeah, man. I cool. hope so. Well, hey, we're going to take another short break. Um, we'll be back in a few minutes. You're on Beer Sessions Radio on Heritage Radio Network. I used to drink, I used to smoke, drink, and that's the hoochie coo. I used to smoke and drink, smoke and drink, and that's the hoochie coo. Oh yeah, but now I'm standing on this corner praying for me and you. I'm saved. I'm saved. People, let me tell you about a kingdom come. You know I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm gonna preach unto you, deaf and dumb. I'm in that soul saving army, beating on that big bass drum. Oh yeah. I used to cuss. I used to bust. I used to cuss, bust, and boogie all night long. I used to cuss and bust. Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm here with Dave Broderick from Blind Tiger and Jeff O'Neill from Peekskill Brewery. Jeff, what beer are we drinking right now? Right now we're drinking uh, the very first batch of Double Standard IPA. 
Um, and I filled this growler actually from the fermentation tank this afternoon. This is not quite, this will, we'll keg this next week, uh, just before Tap New York. Um, and the name Double Standard comes from our newly sort of decided upon um, flagship beer name for our IPA, which we're going to call uh, Eastern Standard IPA. It's really nice. What hops are in this beer? Uh, as I just told Dave, um, in the kettle are Warrior, uh, Nugget, and Chinook, and Citra and Simcoe in the dry hop. So you're, you're going to take some beers up to uh, the TAP New York event? Yep, that's uh, next weekend. So that's a, that's a big event. So it's like, what is it, just New York State Brewers? Just Brewery? New York State Brewers. I think they make a dispensation for uh, Ramstein for High Point. I remember last year, it, the, the surprise was that uh, two new upstarts, Crossroads yeah. up in Athens won Best Hudson Valley Brewery, yep. and Barrier on Long Island won Best New York Brewery. And, it's, and, it, and to me, that was a port, portent of change, that there were a lot of new small yeah, breweries in New York, absolutely. and that got me excited. And uh, I'm I'm rooting for you. Yeah, well, we think the Hudson Valley is sort of becoming a, a beer mecca, just beyond even Westchester, with uh, with uh, Crossroads and um, Newburgh Brewing is opening next weekend as well. I think. Also, I've heard that there's a, a brewery in Beacon. I just heard that. Oh, really? Somebody told me today that they're open, but I I, I don't know. Wow. Yeah, there, there's 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 also a lot of new breweries that we're hearing about that are really being made at like places like Butternuts and stuff. And mm-hmm. uh, I I really I'm really more Behind you guys, the guys who actually have a brewery and, and doing it yourself, and I know that's controversial. You know, uh, not everybody has a brewery set up, but yeah, I, I well, really believe in the brewer's craft, yeah. and I think that I would rather support you. Well, without beating up on guys that have their beer contract brewed, it can be a great way to to get into the game, to get your feet wet and your beer brand established. Um, we've seen uh, Brian from Stillwater do a great job with this, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and some, well, maybe, and maybe some of the other places you're thinking about are not doing this gypsy thing. But not everybody has, and maybe there's more than we don't realize. Like McKellar, there's a lot of guys that are, that are either either collaborating or they're making or someone else is making their beer. Sure, it, it's uh, it's all in the story. details. I mean, it's in the attention to the details, and there are some great beers that are co-packed, and some that are not. Right, so it's 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 case by case basis is how I like to go. All right. And uh, Ben, what do you want to say? You, you, you guys have been sitting there so great. Well, Queens kick show on, on that same note about uh, new breweries, there's actually a new brewery that's going to be uh, opening up. In Queens. In Queens, yeah. Single Cut Brewery. Uh, we tasted some of their stuff recently, and it's. It, it, I think it's going to prove Single to be cut fantastic. Single Cut Beersmith, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's right. Where, where's this brewery going to be? Uh, in Astoria. In Astoria. Oh, oh wow. I thought and he was actually, looking upstate or something. No, no, no. Jimmy, no. you sent me the business plan for that brewery. Did I? You did. <laughs> he told, he told I thought he was looking up in Rockland County or something. No. I don't know anything. He's from Queens. Wow. Yep, yep, yep. So and Queens so, has been somewhat neglected for a while. Well, yeah, it's so funny that, it, you know, a giant borough, you know, 2.2 million people and no brewery. So Here. <laughs> yeah. Here, here. Wow, it's crazy. Well, actually, there is one already. You were, you were, we were talking about uh, Beyond Kombucha That's right. earlier, and technically they are a, uh, a brewery. Oh, they have they a brewery have license. A brewery license. Yeah. Okay. They don't brew beer. They brew... Hi, uh, kombucha uh, at, nor- at its normal strength alcohol, which is above the legal 0.05%, as well as other uh, uh, higher alcohol versions of kombucha. Do you know as well. what like scale? What size? Uh, what size? Their tanks. And oh gosh! Like how big are the So fast? No, no, no. I mean, literally, when I first visited his brewery, he uh, he just literally had one mm-hmm. fermenter. He had just gotten it, and he's growing really fast. He just signed a contract with Union, so he's uh, he's. Uh, Ramping up quickly. So, if you're making alcoholic kombucha, do you use the kombucha mother to ferment the with a, like a grain? For the primary fermentation, you use the mother to make just a normal straight kombucha, and then what he, I'm not the expert, but but what he then adds uh, ale yeast or uh, champagne yeast, I okay. think is what he's going to be using for his next batch of a maple and vanilla rooibos tea right. kombucha, and so he adds uh, you know the uh, the champagne yeast and sugar, and lets it eat it up, and boom. Huh. This one, the next one's going to be up to eight percent. He says he's, he's got really happy yeah. mothers. Yes. <laughs> what, what other local companies are you working with at Queens Kick Show? What other local companies? Like I don't know, <laughs> coffee companies you talked about. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Coffee Labs up in Tarrytown. Uh, you know, we try to use uh, a lot of local vendors when possible. Uh, you know, we get our mozzarella from a place down the block, and we get uh, a lot of ingredients from local stores like Ivar, which is a uh, roasted red pepper spread from Macedonia. A lot. Of, I mean, you know, Queens is really diverse. There's a lot of <clears throat> a lot of uh, food diversity. 
in our neighborhood. And why did you pick sure. Queens to open? Is that where you we, live? Yeah, we live there. In Astoria? Yeah. Yeah, I saw a great, great blog post about, what's it called? It's called something, Why Leave Astoria? Is that the... the why name? Leave Astoria? Yeah, yeah. It's a great uh, local blog. My, uh, my, my wife, Jen, can tell you a little bit more about that. Yeah, Why Leave Astoria is basically a, it's a great community resource, and it's, it's open to anyone who wants to submit you know, something that they've written, um, photos and event postings. And it's something that, we, that has actually been really useful to us in terms of getting the word out about our events and what we've done. And um, a lot of people kind of follow us through that side as well. That's cool. I saw a post about you had photos about how you opened your place and did all the work yourself. Jen, come on, tell us. This is, I love when people come on. Jen came on and said, I'm not talking, but I knew that she had all the stories to tell. So, um, Yeah, I mean, we opened Kickshaw about a year, just over a year ago, and um, we felt that there wasn't really a nice you know, coffee shop um, where people could sort of hang out, you know, a place where we would feel comfortable. Um, and so that was the impetus. And also the impetus was um, we had just planned a really great wedding for ourselves and we figured that we like throwing parties and um, we love being hospitable to people and welcoming people into our home um, so that was that was the heart of, of opening Kickshaw. So, but having good craft beer on draft that was a big part of your plan too right? From the uh, beginning or did you Yeah from that? the beginning Always. that was definitely um, that yeah. It's so like what do you have on draft tonight? Uh Tonight, what do we have on draft at the moment? I think we've got uh, Evil Twin Brewing uh, Imperial Biscotti Break. You know, he just uh, moved. He just heart- moved to Williamsburg. Really? Yeah. No way. Yeah. Wow. Him and Brian Strumke, both. Yeah. Are now living. Brian. Yeah. No, they were in the other night, and and uh, he just moved his whole family. Uh huh. To Williamsburg. Wow, that's it's like nuts. crazy. Yeah. yeah. We've got High and Mighty uh, Fumata Nero, which is a smoked rye IPA on draft right now, as well as a uh, Carton Brewing uh, Boat Beer. Uh, but actually, uh, you want to talk about these beers right now? Yeah, what you, you guys made a little surprise for us. Yeah, so. this is kind of a little thing that we're we're trying. Uh, I Jen, th- you want to tell us about? It? <laughs> <laughs> come on, you're, come on, tell us about it, Jen. Let, let Jen tell you. <laughs> um, well, we basically outfitted a wine preservation system. Ben had this idea that you know why couldn't it work with beer? And so he worked with a company that produced uh, this mechanism. And basically, what we're doing th- with this experiment is seeing if it actually works. You know, what happens when you open a beer? You pour a glass one night, you repressurize it. You mean a bottle of beer? Sorry, a bottle of beer. Yeah. Uh, You repressurize it and open it up later that night or a few days later and see if there is any discernible difference in taste um, and mouthfeel and all that that kind of stuff. Um, So we're kind of in the the process of... So you're testing it on us. Testing. Yeah, exactly. Good. So let's so, go. Come on. So let's try it. What we've got here are uh, three different beers. We've got uh, Weyerbacher Tiny. We've got uh, uh, Guzzeri Tilkina Lancien, as well as Saint Somewhere's um, Lectio Divina. Uh, so we have uh, basically a Lambic uh, or a Guz, and we have a uh, Belgian Stout, and we have a uh, Belgian Saison. Strong Pale. Yeah. Saison, yes. Um, and so these, uh, we... we uh, this one, this, let's see, the Saison, we opened uh, on the 9th of April. The Yeah, we opened all of these for the first time on the 9th. I think this uh, tiny, I got really excited and opened it again a couple days later. So uh, all of these beers have been open for well over a week, and uh, they've been uh, repressurized with CO2. Uh, and the methodology for this is basically we just kind of put a little CO2 in, into um, uh, the bottles, and then we uh, put these... Uh, caps on it and then put more co2 into it under pressure and it's oh. basically a champagne preservation system um and uh you can hear like so it, it is the sham it's the same thing as a champagne. yeah exactly exactly and so uh i just want to see if it works and i think the exciting thing about this obviously is that we can uh doesn't that sound pour, good i love do it. another one Come on. <laughs> uh, that was three that was four of those <laughs> yeah Come so uh, uh what do you want I, I think we should probably start with the sour. Let jeff pick Jeff, start with the sour. Okay. All right. <laughs> Here we go. All right. While so, you're doing that, I want to ask Jeff about... So you said you're always going to have a draft sour. Um, well, we're going we're gonna to do our best to provide a draft sour. Always having it is a tall order. Last time you were on, you brought your Berliner Weiss, mm-hmm. um, which was great. And you said that was an easy... That, I don't want to say easy beer, but that's a good beer to make uh, when you're just starting out. Uh, how would you describe that beer? Well, that beer is very simple, right? Um, and that, I don't know... Uh, the way I described it the first time it was sort of it was the first beer I brewed when I started at Peekskill in November 
um, sort of because I knew it was going to be a long brew day and didn't need it. Doesn't need an extensive boil. Doesn't need a long maturation time. Um, and turned out pretty well. We actually I brewed the uh, we're up to three in six months, so it's selling at a pretty decent clip. And I think I remember telling you guys that you know, most of our regular customers had never heard of a, such of a, such a beer, Berliner Weiss, and it does pretty well. And the kitchen um, the kitchen staff has done a great job of making uh, different housemate syrups to flavor it with. And there's been a couple of real real terrific ones. Like uh, there was a peach ginger that was just awesome. Um, but so that's sort of like uh, maybe a prototype for what we're going to try to what we're going to try to offer. And the way we're going to build the brewery, there will be some physical features that uh, will allow us to do a quick open fermentation, like maybe a weekend of open um, fermentation with lactobacillus, and then blending to a to a certain level of sour. I'm still sort of playing with how it's going to actually go, and you know it'll take some tinkering to get it right. But I think we will be able to offer a draft sour on pretty decent volume and you're going to have a small barrel program as well yeah or? you saw the cellar there yeah. um i we're, i think we're going to focus mostly on wine barrels and i think we can get um maybe 60 barrels in that cellar um and then we'll just see we'll see we've got like I, you've seen you know for now we have ex- plenty of extra space before we build out the third yeah. and fourth floors um but hopefully we will have a pretty pretty cool program there where we do uh maybe quarterly releases um we're buying a really cool uh tri block uh filler uh corker cager nice um so we're gonna do some huh. small runs of uh of specialty bottles available at the brewery yeah that'll make be sure they come it'll out be yeah. Only, yeah good cool hey, let's do a quick run around you, you mentioned before you're checking out uh draft systems and uh from talking to different people there's a lot of different draft systems whether you have a brew pub or a bar or a home system mm-hmm. uh dave what do you guys have at blind tiger um, we uh, pipe dreams put together. It's sort of like a, a mishmash of stuff, um, and so I wouldn't say it's any one particular make. You know, Dave's uh, uh, Dave Moore, uh, the owner of Pipe Dreams, sort of puts together his. I mean, you can get a regular system from him, but he also does. Um, so what's kind of custom? his own? Yeah, it's different custom. pressures or, or different yeah, yeah diameters of, of yeah, lines. Different lines. Yeah, restrictor lines, and so you can pour some of those hard to pour beers. And so, like, what do you have particular lines that are set for particular styles? Yes. Like what? Um, well, so, let's say a, a Cantillon, which sometimes can be harder to pour, can be a little foamy. Um, so we have lines that uh, we can you know make that a lot easier. Schneiderweiss, um, Aventinus. So Schneiderweiss, you need. Often like a, a thinner line, don't you? Yeah, exactly. A different, a different pressure, right? So you have do you have you individual at, pressure per line. You push it at higher pressure. Um, yes. Wow. Exactly. So you can push it at thirty-five psi, and you know whatever you need to do. And what, what do you guys have at Queen, Queen's Kick Show? What kind of draft system? Uh, well, we have five uh, tap lines. One of them, like we actually have seven now. Uh, and uh, Dave Moore from Pipe Dreams put ours together as well, uh, but they're all the same. Uh, Restrictor lines, uh, basically, just you know, we basically talked about our beer program with him, and and he, you know, devised the system to to uh, you know best suit what we were planning on pouring. So and Jeff, what what, what are you guys going to do at, brew, at the brew pub? Well, the trick with ours is that it'll be two different uh, locations of dispense, and one of them will be eighteen feet higher than the other. So you have to make up for that uh, pressure drop, um, and so it'll have pumps in it to get the to get the beer. To the, to the second pumps and fobbers. I mean, we do that too at Chimmy's number 43. There's a glycol system yeah. that pumps it. And also, so like, I was at a, in Kilmeyer's, an old, for, for New York, an old uh, beer bar way down in the south of Staten Island. And he, he's got to set up the old school way where his bar is over his, his keg room and the lines are just stainless steel and he's got simple gas that pushes it through. There's no, there's no other system. Yeah, I mean, that would be ideal, and that would be the case if we were just dispensing only at the brewery bar, where the serving tanks will be right on the other side of the cold box wall to the bar, very short run. But then we'll have a sort of a convoluted 40 or 60-foot run to the upstairs bar. You know, in my old bar, an old bar, and I literally had party keg systems where the old school system was just you'd have like a little CO2, you'd have the keg, and it'd run through, a, you'd have coils that were always iced. 
And that's how the beer got cold. How, how old are you, Jimmy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm up there, but you, you start to run the numbers on this stuff, and the the losses just to foaming on a bad system are crazy. I mean, the, I mean, yeah, I can't even watch like someone pour yeah. from a bad system when I'm at somebody else's <laughs> place. I'm like, oh, it's just too painful. Because the beer is extremely expensive right now. Well, this this is the room of experts, people. If you're out there, you got Dave Broderick, Jeff O'Neill, and our newbies here from Queen's Kick Show. So, you know, you can write us in at any time, and uh, there's a lot of questions we can answer for you. But um, well, our time's running out, and we're going to say a, a few closing remarks. Uh, the Good Beer Seal, which is our, our buddy, and uh, goodbrewseal.com. Uh, in Brooklyn, it's the week of the Brooklyn Beer Summit. There's some cool things. Saturday, I was at Beercraft with Ben Granger. He had a, a, a backyard cask and oyster fest. It was awesome. But check out greatbrewers.com and goodbrewseal.com for more information on the Brooklyn Beer Summit. Uh, next week, uh, April 25th at Jimmy's Number 43, a very cool thing. Uh, Beerituality. It's, it's a beer movie by a, a Jeff Cialetti from Beverage World. You can come check that out. And uh, Wednesday, tomorrow night, there's Lavula Palooza. Mike Lavulu, our favorite union beer rep, uh, he's uh, it's his birthday. He's, he's getting all the lines. How did you let him do that, Dave? It wasn't my Wine idea. Tiger's giving him all his lines. <laughs> You're going to have an ex- uh, huge bill, me. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. And uh, next next week, Wednesday, Stag's Head uh, is coming up, a Ballast Point event. And Jimmy's number 43 next weekend is the April Sours weekend, year two. There's everything from uh, Limited Cuvier to Jacobins, all the, all the Be United and Shelton Brother Imports. Um, that's going to be a fun weekend. There'll be a beer dinner um, Monday, April 30th. It's an all-duck dinner. It's all-duck with sours. It'll be good. It's only $45. Jimmy's number, 43.com. In closing, I'd like to thank our sponsors at greatbrewers.com. I've helped to bring this podcast to you tonight. All right, and thanks to Dave, Jeff, Ben, Jen, and Bradley for joining me here on the Heritage Radio Network. There's also a guy here named Mike. He's the Ambad... What is it, Jeff? It's the Ambadassador. Ambadassador. Brewery Ambadassador. Peak Skill Brewery. All right, and I'm Jimmy Carboni. Thanks to our producers, Jack Inslee and Brie O'Connor, and guest coordinator, Brett Thompson. We'll see you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. I have casually mentioned the fact that I like to drink beer. This little song is more to the point. Roll out the barrel and lend me your ears. I like beer. It makes me a jolly good fellow. Thanks for listening to this program on the Heritage Radio Network. You can find all of our archived programs on heritageradionetwork.com, as well as a schedule of upcoming live shows. You can also podcast all of our programs on iTunes by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes Store. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for up-to-date news and information. Thanks for listening.